Our reading from Revelations today was taken from the 7th chapter. Next week we jump all the way to the 21st chapter. So for the next few homilies I'm going to talk about parts of the book of Revelation that are in between. I think a great place to go because of what is happening in the book of Revelation is to chapters 11 and 12. Also it's good because this is the month of May. I will explain. We are still hearing songs from the 24 elders that I talked about last weekend, but the song of the elders changes a little bit as we get into this section of our book. In part, the song of the elders goes like this. The nations raged, but your wrath has come, and the time for the dead to be judged and to recompense your servants, the prophets, and the holy ones, and those who fear your name, the small and the great alike, and to destroy those who destroy the earth. I cannot help but think about the rage that seems to be fomenting in our country, especially now by the pro-abortionists. Then we get to a most marvelous transition. John sees another vision. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant could be seen in the temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a violent hailstorm. This is the end of chapter 11. Now let me stop for just a moment and remind you that the chapters and verse numbers that are in the Bible that you see were not part of the original writings. The entire set of chapter and verse was listed centuries after the books were written. This is true for the entire Bible. It is important to note that because we are moving into chapter 12 that seems, because of the chapter difference, to be something very different from how chapter 11 ends. I just read that for you. Lightning, thunder, earthquake, hailstorm. Then just as all this is happening, John sees something very different at the start of chapter 12. What he sees is, a great sign appeared in the sky, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was with child and wailed aloud in pain as she labored to give birth. Then another sign appeared in the sky. It was a huge red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on its heads were seven diadems. Its tail swept away a third of the stars in the sky and hurled them down to the earth. Then the dragon stood before the woman about to give birth to devour her child when she gave birth. She gave birth to a son, a male child, destined to rule all the nations with an iron rod. Her child was caught up to God and his throne. So at the end of chapter 11, we hear of God's wrath in the form of storms. The next scene seems to be something very different, but they are a continuation of the same. And there are two points I want to make with this. First, it is obvious that chapter 12 speaks about the Blessed Mother. We often want to see her in a very calm image. The icons and statues of Our Lady tend to give us that, that kind of a thought. But here in chapter 12, she follows immediately after the statement about the wrath of God. Who is it that Satan, the dragon, fears? He fears Our Lady. He fears the Eucharist. He fears faithful priests. He fears faithful laity who know their place under the mantle of Mary. So, we are in a war. This takes up a major part of this section of the book of Revelation, but I think it is important to contrast our usual image of Our Lady as calm, beautiful, loving, 
a tender mother with the image of her being the one who crushes the head of Satan. That is what the Bible says. It is also in the book of Revelation. There was a priest a number of years ago who made a point of saying that, that, that Mary wears combat boots. Was he being funny? Or was he identifying a reality that we need in order to stand, understand where we are supposed to be? The second part, and this is more subtle, has to do with that, what John saw in that vision of the temple. He says he saw the Ark of the Covenant, then describes this wrath of God. Then it turns to the image of Our Lady. I do not think it is wrong to equate the, Ark of, the image of the Ark of the Covenant with Our Lady. There were three things in the Ark some manna that the Israelites ate on the journey from Egypt, the Ten Commandments, and the Staff of Aaron. What do these represent? Or a better question would be, how do these compare to examples as examples pointing to Mary and Jesus? The manna is a type of the Eucharist. The Ten Commandments were the words given to the Israelites to live by, and Jesus is the Word made flesh. The Staff of Aaron was the sign of his priesthood, and Jesus is the high priest for the entire universe. So these three things that were contained in the Ark of the Covenant point to who Jesus is, and that makes Mary the true Ark of the Covenant. This is not a wishful comparison. This is what many early church writers thought when they were writing about the book of Revelation. So, what do we do about all this? Why is this important for us in our, in our walk of faith? Again, I make reference to the fact that we are in a war. We cannot escape that. The devil wants to destroy our faith. He wants to steal us from God himself. But God has given us many different supports to be able to, to walk in holiness in our lives. The church is the way we receive the sacraments. These are intended to give us the strength we need to walk in holiness and avoid the things of Satan that would take us away from God. God has also given us the mother of his son. The power of intercessory prayer for each of us is so intense that Satan cannot stand against her. Mary, by her saying yes to being the mother of God, took on a place of prominence in this warfare for the sake of humanity. She is the new Eve. Jesus is the new Adam, and we walk as children, as their children, when we maintain our place in faith in the church. During this month of May, we remember Our Lady in a special way. We also remember our own mothers, especially on this day that we call Mother's Day. Did you think I would forget? It's written in right here. Much of that remembrance is with a fondness and devotion that does not highlight Mary's role in the battle against evil. And it is a good thing, and it is, it is good to think of our mother given to us by Jesus as someone who is caring and gentle. But there is more to her than any kind of simple sweetness. As we pray this prayer to Our Lady, think deep into the words. On the surface, they may seem like part of this simple sweetness, but is that all they are? So we pray. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious Advocate, your eyes of mercy toward us. And after this, our exile. Show 
unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Amen.